What up? What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the This Is Not That podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joanna, and I'm here with the homies. Say hello, guys. Hi, it's Isaiah. What it do, y'all? This is Raphael. What's up? And we're coming at you um, in between the Christmas and New Year's Eve holiday. How was y'all's Christmas, guys? Let's let's start how we always start. Let's check in. Shoot the shit. Tell me something. Mine's were mine's was decent. You know when you get old, I'm you know thirty six. So you know you go from you go Christmas is like stages. You know I'm the OG on this podcast. uh, You know the resident OG. So. You know, Christmas is in stages. Like when you're from like the prime years of Christmas, I would say is five to fifteen, right? Five to fifteen, you get the real good stuff, and the Nintendo sixty fours, the Dreamcast, all that stuff. I mean, by fifteen, you know, as your wants gets more expensive, you kind of got to deal with the disappointment of not getting a two hundred dollar Michael Jordans. But you can get those Akeem you want some pay less. So you adjust. And then as you hit like 30, you are the person giving gifts. So you have to uh, right. find joy into in getting, you know, uh, people gifts and seeing their joy that you, you give to them by giving them a gift. So I'm at that stage now. So I just uh, was happy that I was able to give my nieces and nephews and my mom and my sisters, you know, some gifts. And uh, they were happy for it. So that's where I get my joy. And then I got to slide by mom's and get uh, some lasagna, you know, some ravioli. So that's never a disappointment right there. So Noodle dishes. Yeah. 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 So it was, it was good for me. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it, it I, 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 I stayed home, <laughs> but um, uh, my dad lives uh, out of town. So um, sometimes he comes up this way and he'd happen to. So I saw him. Uh, we hung out at the Milwaukee Public Market, which is a little interesting because whether you're talking about pre-pandemic or right now, um, I mean, like no one in there ever wears masks ever, you know? So it just kind of feels a little different being in there with a mask and long story short, um, long story short, I saw my dad and that was cool. Um, my mom lives, um, in another part of the state, so she wasn't able to make it over to Milwaukee, but that's okay. I FaceTimed her. Uh, and my granddad, uh, has like some lung conditions, which goes back to the Milwaukee public market thing. I, didn't feel comfortable going over there, you know? So I just FaceTimed them and I'm going to go over there in like a couple of days. I just wanted to put distance in between, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, those days of when I was at the market and, and when, when I would like to go to see a couple relatives and I pretty much just played Halo. Um, I have, a gift for my mother that I'm not going to talk about too much, but I'll, hopefully give it to her when I see her next, you know, but I think she'll like it. Besides that, it was pretty chill. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that we're still experiencing um, the COVID Christmases, right? Like we are definitely still in that mix a hundred percent. I personally had 
Dude, I got an aunt, a cousin, a nephew. They all have COVID for Christmas. Um, and so that that for sure put a damper on the holidays. You know, we all we all, a lot of us took tests prior because we were supposed to get together on Christmas Eve. So every year my family makes tamales, right? We have a tamalada where the cousins and the aunts, they get together and we make homemade tamales. Um, and so everybody was getting tested before the tamalada. And I have a small family, right? Um, my family migrated from Texas, so we don't have a ton of extended family here. But the folks that are here, um, you know, if a few are missing, it, it definitely puts a dent in the parade. So, um, you know, with three people out for the count, we ended up canceling our tamalada. And, um, you know, just I just stayed home with my sisters and my mom. So it was pretty low key. Um, looking forward to my family getting healthy and possibly seeing them, you know, sometime soon in the new year. But it's it's definitely a COVID Christmas. It's wild out here. Like numbers are are very high. We ain't got no beds in, in hospitals, right? Like I just I can't believe how much COVID is is back on the rise and and we're, you know, as some some folks say, like back to where we started from. Um but anyway, for like uh people's mental health you know we live in this capitalist society right you know i know it's kind of trivial sometimes that we just throw out systematic worry like capitalism but we do live under that system and most of the time under the system we do live under um we're just trying to make it meet right and it's very few points in time of year where the family get together and get to be around one another and talk and yeah. reminisce and those are like days that carry you through the year right like oh that was a dope christmas so that was a you know great thanksgiving right and now that? that we have a, yeah now that we haven't been able to have those type of moments it's like now we're two years in we're two years in i wonder what impact that alienation that you talked about isaiah you know like you know isolation too um how people how how's that gonna impact people's mental health um in the future, not be able to have that touch of being around your loved ones. Um, yeah. And that's also for people, like for people, for people who even have people like that, you know, in their lives, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways that a family can be broken up, I guess, you know what I mean? So where people don't really talk to one another, there's, you're feeling isolated or, or like that condition was already there for some people. And now ever, our, our interactions have been further complicated by mm-hmm. the ongoing pandemic, you know? So it, it adds this extra layer that, I don't know, it's, it, I, I guess it depends on the individual, how, how, how they deal with it and um, kind of what happens with, with me personally, at least lately I've been, um, especially in terms of mental health, just really focusing on um, just kind of acknowledging that self-care is really important. um, And that at least me personally, that I, you know, like that, you know, none of us are invincible and that we're all human, you know? So there, so that's really kind of in terms of like the mental health aspect of it is what I've kind of been uh, focusing on personally is just self-care and, keeping just making sure that like the basics of what I should be doing for myself are being met because especially if you have depression or PTSD or other stuff that stuff can really go to the wayside and it can be a real indicator of how you're actually 
doing mentally like the stuff that's going on around you you know um yeah I think we really got to be aware of ourselves and like just pay like like you said Isaiah that self-care right like pay closer attention to attention to ourselves and our feelings right like and I don't know like for this is for me, right? Like putting into perspective, like, yeah, I got these three family members that have COVID, right? Like this really, this very serious disease, um, virus. Um, right. But I also have a good friend of mine that lost her mom yesterday. Her mom passed away to cancer. Right. And so like putting that into perspective, I had some health scares with my own mother this, this past year, 2021. Um, but like nothing puts it into perspective more than when I'm sitting down with my homegirl Jess and she's like telling me the stories of her mom being in ICU and like what that's like. And right, like that was part of my Christmas toast, I would say. So I had we had Christmas in my in my house for the first year, right? So we were celebrating that, even if it was just a small group, me and my sisters and my moms. But just being how great like being grateful that my mom is healthy enough to be here with us. Right. And that we're not, you know, waiting for her to pass and stuff too. So I think it's like folks like taking care of themselves and putting into perspective what they do have and like us being grateful for what we have. Um, because absolutely a hundred percent on top of every other um, barrier and crisis that we are experiencing in our communities, COVID is definitely hitting us hard and making a big impact and to see the numbers rising, um, once again, it's, it breaks my heart, right? Like knowing that we're about to probably be in another lockdown, if anything, like self-implemented lockdown, right? Like even if our elected officials don't get to get, get it together to do, to implement something mandatory, I think a lot of people will be implementing a self lockdown where they are making the decisions for their family or for themselves or whatever, to just stay home more yeah and meanwhile we're kind of living in this you know in a lot of ways we're living in this um kind of weird juxtaposed uh reality um where while there are a lot of people experiencing things like what you're like what you just described there are also people who to varying degrees you know don't like like it doesn't really hit home home for them you know there's a lot of um you know like covid didn't you know, COVID did not like, like, like outright, co- like outright COVID denial. And also the issues with the vaccine were uh, not issues with the vaccines, but just the reluctance that just that enduring reluctance and just like all that, you know? So I guess my point is that while, while there's a lot of people who are experiencing those kinds of realities, there's other people who live right next door to you who, their reality for whatever the reason is completely opposite or the way they perceive it. You know, um, I have some people like that in, in, in my life and it's, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really strange sometimes uh, because especially in the Milwaukee area, because it's such a segregated area, like people's experiences in the environment really shifts from one place to another. So for it to be that much more, um, I don't even know the word, um, checkerboard, you know, it's like a checkerboard of how people actually perceive what's going on around them in this same space we all share. Does that make sense? It- yeah, no, it does. It does. I know it's just from my anecdotal experience and I look to self-curious. 
instrumental in like getting through this like this i think people for the first time people really have to deal with themselves right and not you know sometimes family can be a distraction in the in both a positive and negative way and when you aren't able to be around family and deal with the self you have to find ways to deal with all the things that can cause a depression or could cause you to have your mental health not right i just uh, anecdotally just with my experience it just seemed like it's a a grief i just saw a lot of messages on facebook about how christmas ain't the same or hasn't been the same or and stuff like that so um i know it's that having this uh, impact on people this this moment in time we in right and uh it's just, um, you know, it's what you said, what y'all both said. It's finding things to be grateful about, right? I was really um, appreciative of my man Isaiah sending us a Merry Christmas on the on the group chat. That Me, was too. Me too. Me yeah. too. I was like, really? oh, look at it. He sent us a, half, a Merry Christmas text. Yes. No, it's um, little things sometimes, little things, you know. It is. Uh, I hope that's another thing that's making people value more like these you know, small interactions that we do get to share with one another, right? Missing the time that we do get to spend with family versus, you know, the materialistic, you know, gifts and, you know, all of that, that's, that comes along with the holidays, but like, yeah, it's it's the little things. And yeah, it definitely put a smile when I saw our group, our group thread light up with a Merry Christmas from Isaiah and on the 25th. That was awesome. Now yeah. we're um, heading into now other reasons. Yeah, yeah, let's head ahead. into it, right? Because I was gonna say other reasons my phone was lighting up on, on the Christmas days. Uh the mayoral race, Milwaukee, right? We all have a new mayor. Wow, can't believe it. It's been what 18 years since since we've had a new mayor. Yeah, and we officially have Chevy Johnson, Cavalier Johnson as our as our mayor of Milwaukee, what are your all thoughts around that? I mean, for me, per, I mean, my immediate thought is that I'm 25 and it's, it's, it's basically like Barrett hasn't been mayor for like my entire lifetime, but definitely for my entire, like not conscious existence, but like, you know, like when, 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 when you're growing up or when you're a kid, there's, there's so many years where you're not, where you, where you're being a kid, you know, where, yeah issues and things don't matter you know what I mean like I didn't really start getting into politics or whatnot or really paying attention to what's going on around me until I was like 16 or something you know so definitely for as long as I can reasonably remember you know um he's always been the mayor so that's just a big shift right there um and from that perspective, I don't really know what to expect. It's kind of similar to uh, to the district attorney too, because I didn't know that prior to John Chisholm taking office, and or yeah, yeah, because he's elected, taking office in 2007, I think it was the prior district attorney had been the district attorney for like 38 years, you know. So it's like, which when you're talking about Milwaukee, that's going back into some really heavy history that that individuals probably connected to or implicit in so it's the same thing with the mayor that we have these elect these officials who just stay in power like forever <laughs> um so i don't really know what to expect you know um or i guess maybe standards i guess an important question would be what kind of standards as residents should we have for a new mayor you know yeah <laughs> yeah for me it's just 
it's opportunity, you know, 18 years is a hell of a long time. And, you know, look, um, he was going to, if he ran again, he was going to get elected just based off of name recognition, right? Like just pure and simple off of that. Nothing, not his resume, but just being Tom Barrett. And anytime a, a city, a country, a locality gets stuck in, just the, gets stuck in the mindset of just voting for someone because who their name is and not their deeds, you're in trouble. So, um, yeah, this is just a huge opportunity for our city. And I think we need to take it very, very seriously, right? Because we might, Again, I mean, Isaiah, you just brought up, we had a DA for 38 years, and I'm pretty sure if Barry wanted to retire, die in office, he could have. So we might not get this opportunity again, and that means we have to be very on top of our game when it comes to um, not only organizing and mobilizing it, but whatever our agenda is, what are the, the things that we're advocating and pushing people for, and getting them on record, because what happens a lot of time is once they're in office, they make a lot of promises and once they're in office, they don't keep them, right? And we need to start getting oh, folks yeah. on record before they even get into office uh, and what they commitments and what they are saying they're going to give to the community and really hold them accountable on both the front end and then the back end when it comes to the re-election, when they uh, talk about, you know, implementing an agenda that's actually productive for the, the city and its people. Right. And then, you know, who's, who's on the mayor's, uh, I mean, like, you know, um cavalier johnson is acting mayor then there's going to be an election eventually um i know bob donovan is running is running yeah Ernell, so, i think is running the sheriff right. so this is what we do know right because barrett resigned and chevy became acting mayor before the deadline of december 28th there will be an election, a primary election um, following our traditional spring primary, right? So February 15th, we'll have a Milwaukee mayoral primary. And then um, April 5th, we'll have the Milwaukee mayor general. Candidates have until January 11th to submit their signatures, right? So we need, so everybody, when you want to run for elected office, you have to have a certain amount of signatures to even get your name on the ballot. And I believe for Milwaukee mayor, it's like 1500 signatures or something, right? For like county board and the state legislature, it's a minimum of 200 signatures. And so I think for Milwaukee mayor, it's 1500. So they got to get those signatures in by January 11th. And there are currently eight candidates registered to run for mayor. Um, we would have had nine, but uh, State Representative Danny Reamer um, over the holiday, I think it was on um, the 23rd, he, um, I got an, a, you know, a JSN line, whatever notification saying that he withdrew or suspended his campaign for mayor. But um, also over the, you know, 23rd, 24th, we got notifications that uh, Lena Taylor, who's in the state senate right now mm -hmm. um suspended her campaign for lieutenant governor and is now uh, one of the contenders for milwaukee mayor so it's it was with danny reamer it was at eight then it dropped to seven when he suspended his cam campaign now it's back up to eight since lena jumped in but i would say you know some of the the names that we're more familiar with obviously chevy johnson is going to run for mayor since he's the acting mayor now we got marina demivriatrix who is also in the Common Council, um, Bob Donovan, who's formerly in the council, which I don't know, he ran, he ran for mayor before, right? Like he challenged Barrett in I mean, the past. He, he's a character in general. 
Right. And Ernell Lucas, our current Milwaukee County Sheriff. Um, mm. There's some small business owners, uh, other folks I'm not familiar with, but yeah, um, it's going to be a big primary on the 15th and it's going to come up quick. You know, everybody's out right now for the holiday. By the time we get back in January, before we know it, it's going to be February 1st and time's going to go by fast. Right. It, it, yeah. And, and that's a, that's kind of one thing I noticed in retrospect about 2021 was that like the first, the first half of the year felt like it went by really, really fast. And then it kind of slowed down. It seemed like to a crawl. Is that just in my head? No, that's called being 25. (laughs) Time speeds up. You get there in a decade. It it, it speeds up. (laughs) Everything goes fast. All right. Uh, This um, year was a wild one. Look, man, like the year is usually punctuated by moments, right? Like that's how you remember years. Like 2020, it was like all about COVID. That's why for me, 2020 is uh, an unusual year when it was both it felt everlasting, but then quick at the same time. I know that's weird to say. I know that's like a contradiction, but it, because the moments uh, of it and the abruptness of it. And yeah, I think it's like the matrix has, broke. Yeah, the matrix. Exactly. That's a great way of putting it. Uh, the matrix broke. Shit that you'll never expect to happen, happen. Stuff you only see in movies happen. In Every single day. Yeah. And then when you add that on to, you know, like, look, we got eight candidates in a race. Look, honestly, my excitement level is isn't there isn't a 10 for anyone on the list, right? Honestly, you know what I mean? Because I've had a point in my life where I realized elections is a lot less about the candidates and it's more about the people, the people. Right. We so sometimes we get so invested into who the candidate's personality is, what their profile, what they mean, or the first to this, the first that, or uh, we never did this. or it, None of that matters. What really matters is do we have the power to hold them accountable and get our stuff in and made policy once they're elected? Do we have that power? Because they got a thousand different interests who want them to basically not want them to do a, a thing. Right. And I think at this point in time, um, the mass has really got to be on point where it doesn't really matter, you know, uh, who was elected. Do we just have the power to uh, make sure once they're elected that they can adhere to an agenda to actually put people back to work, work, you know, uh, address climate change, you know, do something about police brutality, all that type of stuff. So, yeah, deliver, know. deliver meaningful things that that they actually put on the campaign trail um and then actually achieve it to some extent um it you know and i and i think that a big issue with with the milwaukee mayor's race is probably the biggest issue is going to be just educating the um the residents and the voters you know potential voters and etc you know uh, it'll it you know uh uh, educating them not only on, on the issues in, 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 in the city and in, well, yeah, in the state, like I was going to say in the county, but that doesn't matter right now because <laughs> it's the mayor, but like uh, in the city, because not only educating them about those issues, but educating them about the various records of 
the candidates so that there, there aren't these elections in the area that are just going on and, you know, in a vacuum where people are running relatively unchallenged by real public scrutiny or meaningful public scrutiny as to what do you want to do and who are you actually listening to, you know, um, to fuel or drive, you know, your policy objectives. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people who just kind of just kind of let these elections and let these things kind of come and go. Um, and in Wisconsin, there appears to be kind of a pattern of, you know, when black and brown communities actually participate in elections and in the system, then, you know, there's, it can have a big impact, but when they don't, then these regressive candidates kind of either get in power or stay in power, you know, it's like winning through lack of participation, you know? So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's kind of a ramble, but that's kind of a big issue as I see it. You know, I feel like it's the, the biggest factor is going to be getting people in the city motivated, uh, and educated about the candidates and what's going on around them and get them acquainted with what they, they actually care about, you know, and what they think, is going to actually happen because otherwise there's just going to be people putting ideas in their heads as to what they think they should care about. Like, Oh, let's send the national guard to Milwaukee because of crime, even though the person declaring that doesn't live in Milwaukee and doesn't represent it, you know? So we got one month, one month um, to yeah. convince the, the electorate that, uh, you know, uh, about everything you just said you know yeah it's you know it's just getting people acquainted with with because i because i feel like there's a lot of people who don't even know what 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 they really want or what they really care about they they, they don't feel like voting or or paying attention to those things are actually going to make a meaningful change in their immediate lives when they're just trying to survive on a daily basis you know um i mean dang how can they like i mean we were just talking about this last week at, um you know as staff but and this is a whole other topic but like the maps right the the state maps for the legislature they're they're about to be the same basically the same thing basically the same lines that we've had for the past 10 years i mean we're talking about having the exact same gerrymandered maps for the wisconsin state legislature for another decade 10 years like wow i can't even believe like how we lost that fight um i don't know i that that's just where my mind jumps to when i think about trying to get folks encouraged or excited or interested in in voting and and normally you know that's my that's my jam but like i ain't gonna lie like i've definitely been feeling discouraged these past this didn't past down, month didn't it come down to like one race too like if if the supreme court what was the race supreme court race a couple years back uh was it newbauer yeah newbauer and she she ran against the conservative and then basically that loss to that race gave them the five four uh balance to actually do the implement the maps or get them certified by the uh state supreme court so like that shows. And thank I mean, like, we, thank God, we got Jill Karofsky on there. But yeah, no, for sure, Rafi, <coughs> that that race was way 
I think was a little bit more intense than this Karaski race. Yeah, and then when you, you goes with what Isaiah was talking about how educating people how important these local races are, right? Like that one, that one race, I'm pretty sure it was probably a turnout of a very low turnout in that race. And you know, it it basically locked us in um, for another decade of Republican rule at a state level. And uh, I and our state Republican Party GOP are are like the model for this uh, Trumpism, Scott Walker, uh, radical Republicans, but in the most negative retrograde way. And we just locked ourselves into another 10 years of it. And it was one race that could have did it, you know, and this just goes to where I'm at with my politics is, you know, federal and the presidency and Senate and that in the house is important, but it's these local races that we really got to get deep and do that public political education. You talk about Isaiah with the, the public about how important that is, because that's the only thing we really tangibly have control over. So, you know, it gets to some of these things that at the federal level, it's really tough to have that type of power unless you're connected to some type of national network. And even then it's really tough, but it's at these local levels that you can really, a thousand people can make a big difference. And you can order yeah. that. Right. Mm-hmm. But do you see how we're so conditioned to believe that it's only our state representatives or the congresswoman or the congressman or the U.S. senator or the president that can really like impact our lives? Like, why do we have such low voter turnout for our local elections? Right. Like, I don't think that stuff's by mistake. Right. Like they intentionally. Um, advertise and make a big deal and why, you know, the general elections for the presidential race or for the gubernatorial race are like one of the number one, um, you know, live viewed newscasts of, of the year, right? Because they, it's almost like commercialized, right? These big, quote, big elections, um, even though they're the ones that have the least power, right? Like our Wisconsin governor has like minimal power, right? Like due to the yeah. like, lame duck session and all that, what our GOP legislature did, but it, and yet it's categorized as one of the biggest races versus on, you know, the February 15th um, primary and April 5th general this spring, um, you know, that's going to be school board across the state. We're going to be seeing county board seats. Like nobody's prioritizing that. Even when you look at like funding for nonprofits, funders don't prioritize these races. We ain't getting boatloads of money for spring elections. We get boatloads of money for the fall. But like nobody wants to take on these conversations. I mean, think about it. It goes goes back to what uh, Isaiah was talking about, education. When you open a textbook, the people that they're talked about is the presidents and the governors. Nobody talk about aldermen or county supervisor. Nobody. So you are conditioned to believe that those are things that matter. And they do, right? They do. But they are, they are a byproduct of the local organizing. If you organize properly, you do your local politics uh, in the right way, you produce a great national politician, Right. Uh, I, you know, you, you can feel how you feel about Lincoln, right? But he broke, he made his bones at a very, at the local level, even way before he became a national candidate. He was a, you know, uh, a very, uh, a man of uh, Illinois at, at, and he, he did a lot of work. And now you can be fast-tracked due to way our media is and, you know, you can have a, one good speech and people are automatically trying to say you should run for governor or, 
or uh, a president or something like that. So it's not you don't have to do do the trench work of doing be a great local politician and rise it up. So you just are we are just conditioned to believe that the only those are the only thing that matters. But that put the onus on us who do movement work to really kind of retrain that muscle at a local level to say no you know this is this is a big deal this is a huge deal this is going to make way more of an impact than biden will right like biden biden is still trying to get um build back better through uh congress right you know that's something he's still attempting to do you know it, it could have an impact but it's something that hasn't hit people's pockets but i guarantee you on the results of those maps it's going to hit people immediately right so we just got to re-educate our people to the point where they understand the importance of these local races. And then, you know, Fred Hampton said it best, observation and participation. That's how people learn, right? That people observe and then participate in the political system and get some wins on the board. And, you know, people people realize how important it is. Yeah, and have those wins uh, be more than just, you know, basically what amounts to team sports, you know? Um, just tribalism yeah, and just yeah, making yeah. sure your team accomplish it like wins. It doesn't matter what they do. All that matters is that you beat the other side. It really has to um, evolve to a place beyond that, I think. And, you know, going back to the state legislature too, it's like, I don't think people like when people in Wisconsin who want progressive policies or progressive change, look at like, take legal, like take, Take cannabis, for example, take legalizing can cannabis, for example. Governor Evers had a uh, like proposed a very, uh, you know, proposed full full legalization. There uh, there are Republicans who have worked on their own bills to have very minimal medical legalization um, and also lower fines, you know, that like, that like already exist. And for whatever the reason, even though that's happened, that that's a fact. And it's a fact that the majority of the people over half the people in the state want either legalized uh, recreational cannabis or medical cannabis. We still don't have it. Like every, every, every state that borders us and Canada has it, but we don't. And it's like, I think people would be really, really shocked if they actually look at how the state legislature uh, committees are are made up and look at how many of them are chaired and vice chaired by Republicans and and then the rest of the committee, it's 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 basically a Republican controlled committee, you know, not just one, not not just two, but many of them, you know. So, yeah, you so people get frustrated because they go out and they vote for the governor and then the governor can't get much done. But they don't realize that underneath the hood, you know, there's this other structure that basically what they did when when uh, when a uh, Walker left was they burned the bridge behind them, you know, so that other people can cross over, you know, it, 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 it they made sure that th that dude's predecessor, whoever he was, cause he wasn't one of them wouldn't be able to do anything. So it, it's like a gradual uh, strategy of trying to discourage votership really. And in Wisconsin, like, like you said earlier, Ralphie, it's just, why is it so, it's getting comically regressive here. Okay. Like, like I said, everywhere around us, uh, bordering us has some form of legalized cannabis, but we don't, we incarcerate, we refer, we, we, we lead the nation in, in, um, in, um, 
referring students to law enforcement, most of them are black and brown kids. We still have one of the largest, if not the largest juvenile prisons still operating and they will not allow that thing to close for any reason. You know, it, 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 it there, there's just all these really negative statistics that it's like, how come Wisconsin is like stuck in the dark ages off of the will of these people who are not connected directly to the things that they're influencing and causing, you know? You know that was actually, it, it's kind of connected to, you know, we, uh, part of what we w- wanted to do today was kind of do a, a, a year in review or a wrap up of the year of like some of the most important stories of the year. And, uh, you know, uh, part of that regression and i remember uh, either talking to us about it in our group or uh maybe it was on a podcast with kyle earlier this year which was probably i, I think our one of our, our best episodes <coughs> was um colin rittenhouse right Colin rittenhouse being found now guilty of uh the murder of two people and the, i think the shooting of two others and how you can just oppose that to the uh the guilty verdict that had hap- that happened maybe a week later with uh, Ahmaud Arbery and how Wisconsin and you know Georgia has this reputation to be a part of the old South, but um, Wisconsin is taking on all the characteristics of an 1800, 19th century Southern state. You know, it's like near. It's like it's it's to call it an apartheid state is a, is a little dramatic, but not almost just barely you know what i mean because of how segregated it is and just how the policies impact people here it's we, it's you know, ridiculous yeah we don't have to even i mean i, I think i feel very comfortable with call it, uh, it it's becoming very near uh a, a neo-confederate state you know what i mean so look we are then, in this i was just gonna say you, i was just gonna say really quick you know building off the georgia thing and then in minnesota we you know um uh, the uh, Kim Potter trial resulted in a, so it's like people were celebrating these things going on in other places, but for some reason here, nothing happens. And I was pointing that out to people in my personal life. It's like, yeah, that's great that that happened. I mean, I mean like that, that's great that, that certain things are happening in, in other places where you're talking about these trials, where you're talking about other policies, but for some reason it doesn't happen here. And that doesn't make sense. Well, it does, but it doesn't, you know? So it, yeah, yeah that's, right. that's all. Yeah. 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 I think that absolutely right. All of those things too, but you know, it's not, it's not just Wisconsin, right? Like this has happened. Like, you know, we, like you said, Rafi, we plan to have this show talking about like, you know, what, what was like one of the big things that happened in 2021? Like what was our, our top stories that have really stayed with us? Right. And the truth is this year really started with a vengeance, right. From the, from the, you know, January 6th insurrectionists. Right. But I mean, I think about this year ending and in places like Georgia, right. Like we have this, um, what was it like this, like, like land or something was, um, found with, um, and, or in, these folks were indicted because they had these like inhumane work conditions, right? Like these immigrants oh, yeah, were being forced. Slavery. Yeah. They yeah, were being they, yeah, forced to dig for onions. Yeah. It was like modern yeah. day slavery for slavery. immigrants, yeah. like digging for onions with their bare hands, making like 20 cents per bucket of onions. Like that's, that's wild. Right. And they held them in these work camps with not um, allowed like, to leave. 
Right. And they had minimal food and plumbing and they didn't have clean water. Um, workers Please. died because of those conditions. Like, right. It's, it's happening here in Wisconsin and, and in our own way. And then down in Georgia and in the South, it's happening too. Like, yeah, like we have some, I don't know. It's just like the wins and the losses there. They're definitely being spread out throughout the entire country. Um, but that's like theory. one of the big things that that stuck with me this time. Like that's how we're wrapping the year up. Right. That goes to my theory. Uh, my theory that we never left 2020. It's just no. been one, the last two years has been one like one long year, and we got some unfinished business of uh, you know whether it's dealing with the pandemic, uh, the unfinished business of the movement that was birthed by George Floyd, and the response to to that. You know, Trumpism. Oh, in the in that campaign, I think 2022 is, you know, you know, just unfinished business. We have a lot of things that we, as a country, as people, you know, haven't had finished talking about or held to account and uh, found solutions for. And I think it's like been one long continuous year from 2020. And uh, look, I mean. I have no doubt that 2020 is going to have an impact on 2022, whether it's at a federal or uh, state or even a city level. So uh, for me, um, when I'm looking forward and I'm projecting into 2022, is doing my best <clears throat> to be a part of the solutions and helping finishing that business of 2020 uh, as best as I can, you know what I mean? And at, on a personal level, you know, taking care of myself, you know, and making sure I uh, I adhere to uh, the codes of all the things that come from COVID and all the things that you should do to help this country uh, move past, hopefully get past this pandemic. And then, and, and, uh, and just at, uh, you know, my public facing, um, just to be organizing in the streets at a grassroots level to get people educated around the issues and, uh, you know, really trying to organize for power, you know. Yeah, um, you know, it's I, I totally agree with what you're saying about look about 20, about just how just about 2020 in general and just the post 2020 era. It really feels like dealing with ghosts or something or or um, or just unresolved. Just unresolved traumas and issues, and I think that one big part of 2021 was people uh, processing a lot of what happened over the last, over, over the year prior, uh, like Joanna pointed out, the year started off with, um, with, um, with, uh, January 6th, what happened in the U S Capitol. And then the day after that, um, the day after that, um, we, you know, the Wauwatosa police department released its first batch of, of various open records documents, not just to me, but to like many, many, many media in the area, lawyers. Um, it was like this mass dump, completely unredacted videos where they're promising people confidential informant status. And now we know exactly who those people, some of the stuff was ongoing cases and it was just this big dump. And then from there, you know, I, I spent a lot of the year filing open records requests with them, with the Milwaukee police department, with the feds, um, U.S. Marshals with the uh, with the FBI, Homeland Security, uh, and and uh, really spent the year in in that regard, um, just kind of 
covering, trying to answer, run, run down some enduring questions of really what happened on the ground last year during protests and take the U.S., the three U.S. Marshall focused document uh, articles that I wrote that really focused on Kenosha. Uh, and a little Wauwatosa too, you know, I, I got emails after that saying, thanks for writing those articles because now I know who pulled me into a van, you know, last year, I had no clue who they were, you know, um, uh, there's a lot of enduring questions about what happened on the ground in Kenosha and, and, uh, how close the police were cooperating and working with or tolerating, um, the, uh, whatever you want to call them, the armed groups, the militias, the, um, armed individuals, among them uh, uh, was Rittenhouse, um, uh, and also, you know, just and, and and you know the story with the protest list, just just and 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 it's not ending. You know, it's it's still ongoing. Um, there's still lawsuits going on. There's still a lot of unanswered questions. There's still a lot that needs to be kind of that 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 is yet to be kind of disclosed and released. And I think that. Part of that too, uh, I think that in some regards, some law enforcement agencies didn't really like take the list. For example, I I I don't think that some people really appreciated the harm that that thing could cause because it did cause real harms. It is continuing to cause real harms. Um, uh, and then kind of more macro, um, a big story that I paid attention to was, uh, and I don't know how many people were aware of this, but, but uh, the uh, issue with uh, the Pegasus spyware and Apple, which was kind of a more international story, but basically what it is, is there is an Israeli company that makes a particular kind of spyware that once it gets in your phone, it can basically take over your phone and do anything, you know, anything at all. You can imagine it, it turns your phone into a very powerful kind of wiretap basically. And they were selling it to authoritarian regimes and everything. Officials were apparently targeted by this stuff, but the way that it behaved and, you know, it it was this big thing, you know, Apple had to release an emergency patch and we all use, I mean, a lot of people use Apple devices. If you have an Apple device, your phone can be vulnerable to this stuff. And I think that that's important because there's still a lot of stories and unanswered questions about things people were experiencing here that something like that could actually answer you know it it just provides a more holistic idea of what is actually possible in the world around us you know and and how far certain things have gone so yeah i mean 2020 2021 for me has been kind of like the uh dealing with the the ghosts of 2020 really um and the trauma of that um and continuing to process all that um yeah right now i think thinking about 21 2021 and then thinking about like what do i what am i carrying with me as i move into 2022 or like what do i where do i see myself making impact you know i i think about this story um and some of the last work that I did to, to close my year out. Right. It was connected to local elections. Right. So, um, New York city recently passed, um, like legislation or something that allows, um, 800,000 non-citizens to vote in local elections. Right. Right. Like, 
it's like, and then like going back to this conversation about how we are so um, unable to control what's going on at like the federal level. And even for us in Wisconsin at the state level, it's just how valuable these local elections are. And so to see like New Yorkers pass this law or legislation that is allowing um, immigrants, right? Immigrants who are counted um, for redistricting purpose, right? They, they pay taxes, um, you know, their, their kids go to our schools, they work in our businesses, um, they're entrepreneurs, right? Like to see them finally being counted and, and being allowed to participate in, in this process that uh, elects people to, you know, essentially represent our values and, and be our voice, um, I think is amazing. Like, I'm just so, I don't know, it, it drops a piece of, a, a, some drops of hope in me, right? And like, it, it's like those bright lights that I can't, that I'm like so proud to work in the, and do this work and be part of this movement and have me recommitted to that my role in this stuff is, in this movement is, is helping folks that want to run for local office. And so like one of the last things I did, you know, before I closed out the year, right, with my job, right, at Citizen Action as the movement politics director is sent out our local candidate questionnaire um, to folks that are interested in running for office, people that are going to be on the February uh, 15th ballot across the state. We sent out this questionnaire to see if they'd be eligible for an endorsement from our organization. And we asked them these questions, like, will you commit to at a local level doing things like this, right, that are going to change, um, that are going to be like, have like systemic impact and like really change our communities, right? Like, would you fight for allowing non-citizens to access the ballot across the state of Wisconsin? And like to be able to hold these local electeds or local folk candidates um, to these type of, of, of legislations or policies that, that could change our communities, change our state, I think has somewhat re-energized me, right? Coming into a big election year, like I'm glad that was that I was able to do that work and like recenter why I'm here and like what I'm doing and how I'm contributing in this movement through local politics. Yeah, the people always give me faith, right? The people, the masses, that's, yep. and that, and, it's, and the moment is also something that gives me faith for 2022. This is a huge moment in time. You know, I know we always say that, you know, 20, you know, yep. we always say, but this is a huge <laughs> moment, huge moment in time. And uh, I think in a, in a, you know, for all the terrible things that COVID has done to our community and done to people and the, the all the, the loss it has brought, it also has, I don't know, it has a stiffen the spine, uh, the spine and I also, um, I see a different level of consciousness and a different level of seriousness in the conversation. Again, this is just anecdotal in my, uh, my day-to-day uh, and people being tuned in into the political apparatus. It's not the daily politics of Democrat, Republican, but like what it means for our lives and these decisions. And I think that a lot of it had to do with the George Floyd protest last year and a lot of people getting involved and staying involved after that. But uh yeah, I just feel like this is a, a different and then just shout out to Gen Z. I just think Gen Z and, you know, is just a different generation. <laughs> they just built different, you know, and they just had a different level of consciousness, period. I think I just that gives me hope that we are headed into a world where people um, not 
only want to participate in the political system. And I, I'm not just talking about electoral politics, I'm just talking about our uh, politics. Um, but they actually have a dope ass analysis around it and what needs to be done and want to take action. So uh, yeah, and this moment calls for it. Can I, can, I, can I get a little bit of sappy real quick though? Mm. In the spirit of what you talked Please. about earlier. Yes. Yes. About being grateful. Oh, there. I'm grateful for this space, you know, like we took a chance to start a podcast together. You know, I knew Isaiah, uh, I mean, we, you know, from just being, uh, you know, a reporter and, you know, being around uh, some of the, the important um, spots around in 2019 and 2020. And, you know, I work with Joanna, but I don't think us as a collective have ever, did, you know, sat down and had a coffee together and then we uh, we started this podcast and you know we went to different formats and different changes and but I think we have found our our, our voice and our, our our spot and I think especially during that uh, point in time of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial uh, that made me realize how happy and grateful I was to have this space with other you know not just folks of color but like-minded individuals to to deal with that you know so um i just want to tell you both thank you you know for your you know showing up bi-weekly or sometimes tri-weekly you know <laughs> <laughs> but uh i really enjoy and uh, uh appreciate this space and uh one of the biggest things i look forward to in 2022 is us continuing this and uh you know Growing this is not that. Getting some merch out there for the folks, you know what I'm saying? That would you be know. so dope. Yes. Yeah, so uh, that's that's like why I was saying, or like why we were saying earlier that that Merry Christmas from Isaiah meant so much, right? Like we just started this podcast this year, kind of on a whim, right? Like we never kicked it like this with Isaiah, and like to just have this kind of unfiltered banter where we like are like-minded but also have different perspective and different experiences and different stories and we're able to respect one another and just have this conversations um I think it's just so powerful and like I hope it encourages folks to also take the time to have these conversations in their own spaces or 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 create the spaces to hold these conversations because it's just so necessary we can't be like holding in these frustrations that, that we are facing because we're really facing them as a collective, as a community. And, um, if we can just lean on one another more, I think we could have more impact in this fight. I think, I think we have Isaiah speechless. Like, he's like, you know what? All right, Isaiah. I'm blushing. I'm blushing. I'm blushing. That's so, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not good at savvy. He's, spe- <laughs> he's speechless. We, I, so yeah. I know we gotta, we gotta bring the show to, to a close soon. Um, this is our last episode of 2021. Rafi, what else, what else you want to say? I feel like I was about to cut you off. So jump yeah, in. No, now. I just wanted to, before, uh, just, just uh, real quick with the shout outs. Because this podcast didn't just happen by itself, right? So shout out to the Pod Father. Pod Father. Who does the right. editing and uh is the is the producer and you know first critique of our uh our podcast. 
Uh, shout out to Maria. Um, yes. She put together the logo for us. And yep. she was instrumental in our biggest fan. So shout out to Maria. Shout yeah. out to the Citizen Action staff. And then shout out to the people who listen, our viewers. You know, y'all are important. Uh, we want to just be more prompt next year with, you know, with our shows. And we just, you know, want to grow and um, make y'all pull y'all more in. So hopefully um, as we grow and we get better, you know, we had to attract more people. So, but thank you to our current viewers who uh, listen to the podcast bi-weekly or tri-weekly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Much. And we want to have more guests in 2022. So if folks are listening to our podcast and they have like thoughts for conversation or want to jump on the show and, and chit chat with us, hit us up too. Like hit us up, you know, on social media or whatever. But um, you got you know, a good one a- planned. We got a good one on deck. We got a real good one on deck that's coming up in january you know i think we lock it down i'm pretty sure we locked it down but uh it's gonna be a real good one it's a real big thing that happened at the state level um, through the work of co-governing and what um all the amazing work that joanna is doing on move the politics team so uh be on the lookout of that let me shut up much love to everyone and a happy new year happy new year everyone Happy holidays. Happy New Year, y'all. We'll see you in 2022. Peace. Peace. What up?